Once upon a time, when ping pong balls hurtled across tables, when grown men were hoisted upside down to chug cheap beer, when the height of dexterity was flipping a red solo cup, there was a podcast of adequately happy and perpetually buzzed friends. Happy because they talked about bad movies and buzzed because they drank good beers. They sought to find the truth about why certain movies flopped. To this end, they met weekly to discuss the misfortune of those films, venturing through strange plots, odd casting choices, and gathering all sorts of behind-the-scenes scuttlebutt to tell. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. And welcome back. This is our 186th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wabam Entertainment. We are the internet's premier podcast for bad movies and mostly good beer. Tonight, we continue our look at films that flopped hard in 2022 with 3,000 years of longing. I am the Thunderous Wizard, and along with me tonight for this for this uh, sexual genie thingamajig are the man who lives in a sex room full of fur, Chumpzilla. What happens if you just drink the gin? You just like chug it right out of the bottle lamp thing. Like, is that how does that work? Uh, it's not good to drink a gin straight up. Needs a oh. little bit of a lime and a twist of some you know, sort. Uh, we also, uh, yeah, we have the owner of many rare antiquities, Bling Blake. I am a genie in a bottle, and you've got to rub me the right way. Actually, that should have been your one sentence, I think, because that, that is sort of <laughs> you are you are a genie from a bottle, and you this, need to rub me the right way. You need to rub me the right way. Yeah. Is this uh, basically just a Christina Aguilera like origin pick? Could be. Uh, so for it. Points for you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and Bo Flops, and you can find Wobam Entertainment at W O B A M E N T on Twitter and Instagram. 3,000 Years of Longing is available to rent across platforms for $3.99 or less. There was a point in time it was on sale. We missed the sale. Uh, Mm, Regrettable. Uh, So let's talk beer. Uh, Tonight we're drinking Desert Magic IPA, which I thought fit this movie nicely because this Mm -hmm. movie is set in a desert and there's a lot of magic. Uh, It's from Mud Shark Brewing. It's local to AZ. And it's an IPA that pours a dark golden color. It has grapefruit and other citrusy hop aromas, along with pine, as well as fruity flavors. And it carries a Captain Cash approved 7.2 ABV. So nice. I had a sixer of this. And I've we were supposed to record this last week. We ran out of time. So I've had a couple of them uh, out of that six pack. And it's fairly bitter, but it's a decent IPA. So I'd give it two bad movies or Two wishes granted. Hmm. We're going to, you know, stick with the theme. Wishes typically come with, you know, really bad consequences, though. So mm-hmm. something to consider there. Yeah, like well, I wish I'll, to be on this podcast. I'll tell you, it did come with consequences I when I had a few IPAs over the weekend. There were consequences. Oh, no doubt. Let's leave it at that. We all know my sensitive tum tum. 
Sorry, T-Dubs. Uh, so the movie, 3,000 Years of Longing, which I'll just call Longing from here on out because that is a lengthy title, was directed by the great George Miller, he of Mad Max fame. Uh, it stars Tilda the Ancient One Swinton as Alethea and Idris Bloodsport Elba, or Idris Elba, as the Jinn. Yeah, I need a ruling on that. Is it Idris or Idris? I think it's Idris Elba. I, I say Idris. Yeah, Idris. I don't know. That's that's a that's a tough one. He but, just wishes we'd pronounce his name correctly. So yeah, probably. But can we just talk about George Miller for a second? Yes, we can because I love George Miller. He directed what I believe to be the greatest action movie of all time. Uh, Little Feet. It's called Happy Feet. And he oh, only directed Happy Feet 2. He produced the first one. Oh, okay. But no, I think it's funny because I was watching some YouTube videos after watching this movie, just trying to like get some like impressions of like the you know the public. I'm like, oh, this eclectic director. And like he did the Mad Max movies, which I'm I'm sure that's what you're actually referring to there, uh, the Thunderous Wizard. But he he's done Happy Feet 2. He did Babe Pig in the City and Alonzo's Oil. So Lorenzo's oil. Lorenzo's. I'm oh, sorry, Alonzo, Lorenzo, whatever. I'm a little like kind of shocked because I'm like, you know, that is kind of eclectic because that's a vastly different set of movies. You got basically two animated, effectively CGI animated family films. You've got one sort of family drama, and then you've got like, yeah, three of the like rawest, coolest post-apocalyptic action movies of all time i'm like all right you know what like i was gonna say like no i don't think he's that eclectic no okay never mind i agree that is a, quite the spread he it really is well so he wrote and they're I all good he, effectively. i believe he wrote babe didn't direct it wrote babe Two. directed babe Two. babe Two is freaking dark child's movie <laughs> and, it, it is it's very charlotte's yes. web right like a little bit kind of like that tone of dark kids and movie. happy feet too gets oddly depressing halfway through the film i guess you get if you haven't seen it it gets very weird and very depressing it's a strange strange kids movie and i would not watch it with your kids because i don't think the intention of watching a movie with your kids is for them to be upset so wait i mean let's be <laughs> honest here t-dubs i mean how young were your kids when you first let them watch the deer hunter Oh yeah, I mean, we only played Russian roulette like for a couple weeks after, and then they got over it. So because yeah. of my family, like you, you get to kindergarten, it's like, all right, time for the deer hunter. Eat him out. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, three. We, we three. started with delivery bullets. You know, then we went to the deer hunter. We really covered our bases on like really yeah. obscene movies, depending on you know what happens. I'm like, oh look, here's the guy from Superman. Don't watch what happens to him. <laughs> Deliverance. Wait, uh, it's a great movie. Walken? Oh, wait, Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty. Yeah, in Deliverance. Oh. Yeah, uh, Ned, Beatty. Ned Beatty has the hardest part. So, really, Idris Elba, Tilda Swinton—they're the the stars of this movie. They are communicating stories to each other. They are yes. storytellers. So, I didn't really list anybody else, but if you watch George Miller movies, you'll recognize people from his films. There's a couple of um, uh, the many mothers from Mad Max: Fury Road which spoiler alert that is the greatest action movie of all time i know i i think I, on this pod i once said that i like road warrior better but fury road is the single greatest cinematic achievement 
to ever be brought to film and nobody else could do it. And it's very good. I'm it not sure I'll give it picture. that high of a praise, but it is very good. I liked it. I enjoyed that movie. Okay. So back to longing. It was released in August of 2022. Uh, came and went before most people even knew it existed on a budget of 60 million. It failed to even make a third of that finishing with 19.4 million. It received mostly positive reviews since mm-hmm. 72% on Rotten Tomatoes with more than 250 reviews and has a Metacritic of 60. This is definitely a critics movie. I know I'm usually the guy that makes the cliche comment about like the genre bump for like horror and sci-fi, but no, this is like a thinking man's movie. It's got kind of a high concept and like it's a critics film. So I'm not shocked that it didn't resonate with the general audience because it's a little it's a little much it really is well how do you promote this film really and it was screened at the film festivals and i think it was venice so i knew like i I didn't even know he was making a movie and then like a week before the film festival they basically were like hey this is coming so i don't think it was marketed well well Um, i mean because i mean there's the challenge because you this is definitely a movie you can't come in and say like from the director of mad max and little feet two Again, it's, it's like no it's, it's like what do you feet, how do yes. you whatever it doesn't matter how do you make this work i don't know it's not bad but like, it's a tough sell and it's a really tough sell. okay well let's we're gonna get into that uh now we're on to one sentence description so bling blake how would you describe this film in one sentence you know i kept it really simple on this one a, a genie tells a lady a story until she falls in love with him and she gets to write a bestseller Okay, uh, Jumpzilla. Uh, I I would go with uh, Lorenzo's gin and tonic. Okay, I would just describe it as simply either Fifty Shades of Genie. Oh, uh, they do have some of that that hot hot genie sex or, or in a, Istanbul. Yeah, yeah. Mm. or a sexually repressed woman who's a schizophrenic writes her own erotic story to satisfy herself. So would that make it eat love gin? Maybe, yeah. Eat. Just, oh no. Just, eat seminar. <laughs> I don't Love. know. That just sounds like a Pornhub title. Hey there, Mister Bling. Where do you think I get my material from? I mean, come on. That's a fair I'm point. Not, I'm not pulling it from that deep. We we all have our inspirations. <laughs> eat TED Talk, genie sex. <laughs> that's. A... Yeah, you know, and I guess that's it, right? Like, you you make an excellent point with your with your one sentence there, T Dubs, like what does a narratologist do like for like to, to write her own romance novel and it's a mythical storyteller gets trapped in her hotel, her hotel room in Constantinople and they get to have weird narratologist sex, which I think is just talking about it. Yeah. Which, there's yeah. There's a, she's basically just Trish the dish all growing up. Had anybody ever heard the word narratologist before this movie? Cause I certainly had not. Nope. No, nah, I think it's made up. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, why not? One more thing. So the actual description of this film is a lonely scholar on a trip to Istanbul discovers a djinn who offers her three wishes in exchange for his freedom. That's that, that is the movie. I mean, I heard sure. it described as adult Aladdin. I would say it doesn't mm-hmm. have the musical flair of Aladdin. Or the or story. Robin Williams. Yeah, certainly there is a visual flair, and this movie is very... I think cool and fully realized. And I think George Miller does an excellent job of painting 
these stories that are being told. But we'll get into that right now because here's the plot. Alethea Binney, a British scholar who occasionally suffers from hallucinations of demonic beings, purchases an antique bottle and unleashes a djinn that's been trapped within during a trip to Istanbul. The djinn regales her with the story of his life from his imprisonment by King Solomon to his fruitless attempts to save Gultan, enabling her to utter her last wish, to wandering the palace as a specter for over a hundred years, to his love for Saphir, who grows so tired of him that she wishes they never met, which is really upsetting to him. And when Alethea almost does it, it's also upsetting. So as this all unfolds, Alethea begins to grow fond of the djinn, and she finally agrees to ask for wishes one of which is for the djinn to love her. So again, that sort of breaks rules, but whatever. They have weird genie sex. And then she, <laughs> and he then returns with her to London where all the cell phone towers and electromagnetic fields mess with him. Alethea returns home one day to find the djinn near dead and rescinds her wish of love, which is truly not a wish. She instead wishes for him to return to where he belongs. Though their love cannot be, the djinn returns periodically to be with her. And moral of the story, as I mentioned in my one sentence, she's a paranoid schizophrenic who conjures all this up in her head and then writes a book about it. I Maybe. Are, so wait, are there no cell phones in Turkey? That was a thing that I thought about too, because it is an established country. I know. It's a pretty big um, city. It's a, it's a big city. It's heavily populated. There's mm. clearly cell phones there. Nobody uh, knows but the Turks. It's got to be it. It was very confusing. And that, you know, further cements that how much of this is actually happening within her. I, I think that's probably my biggest beef with the film is that the whole unreliable narrator uh, portion of the, the narrative is not satisfying. No. and Because if you go back and watch it again, you do see a lot of like hints and stuff of stuff going on. But it's like it never really pays off. Because and maybe that's the point. Don't get me wrong. I think I mean, so. It's supposed it's, to be intentionally ambiguous. Right. But it's just like, well, so what have I been watching again? Hmm. And to your point, both narrators are unreliable. Right. Which is kind of interesting. It does give you some twists and turns, but yeah, you know, does it pay off? And again, that's a very like basic bitch. You know, hey, I expect this movie to give me something. Maybe that wasn't the point, but yeah, it's not super, again, from a commercial standpoint, not super satisfying. Yeah. So before we get there, let's just talk about how many beers we drink while watching this. Cause I didn't hate this movie. I didn't love it. I love George Miller. So I'm glad I saw it, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of a thing that exists. And now I'm like, Oh, well, on to Furiosa. So I guess it's like three beers. Oh yeah. Solid one, three beers. One pain one and a half pain it, but it's not like hard to watch so it's, it's not really a three pain beer it's just like a beers. it's three confused yeah it's beers. like a i'm kind of bored beers yeah, yeah we're three all boredom beers we're all right on the same page i i wrote three beers question mark and not sure why but like but i definitely know that i want to be drinking while i'm watching it it helps it, it lubricates the experience it helps it go by a little faster and it's not, it's just like, there's just something missing. Like, I feel like if the stories were a little bit, I don't know, more provocative in a way, and yet they are provocative, they're just not all that interesting. Like, nobody has any dope wishes. Yeah. It, you can kind of feel what they're trying to do, but it doesn't quite take it far enough. 
I just want to see a monkey get turned into an elephant and have a parade. Like, is that too much to ask for in a genie movie? Dr. Blake, that is not too much. Very to true. Ask in a also, that's, kind of, that's very fair. I kind of feel like George Miller has a, um, a fetish for heavier women between this and Fury Road. <laughs> you know, that had not occurred to me until right how, now. But how, it, how so? Well, the only the gratuitous mel- the, nudity we get in either yeah, of them. <laughs> the Melkers in Fury Road and then all the heavyset oh, women that oh, sit oh. in the room of hair with the one guy who... Yeah, no, okay. The, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I forgot about them. Yeah. Well, I think it's... Okay, now, hold on. I'm going to back that. I'm gonna, I don't think I need to defend George Miller here, but I think it's more of a fertility thing. Because if you look at the other aspects of Fury Road, especially, it's a fertility thing. It's, it's, it's a weird way to do it. It's a very much a masculine male gaze way of viewing fertility. But I think it's more a fertility thing than like more of a milking, you know. Uh, well, I, I guess old for, fertility idols do have right. a it's bit of that look to them. Large breasts, it's, big ass, like the birthing hips, milk. Certainly hips. in Mesopotamian culture, yes, but. So yeah. so so maybe it's not a, a big woman fetish. It's just a, a pregnant woman fetish. Well, I think that's but that's the propagation of the species, right? He's trying to say that's important. You we, we need to like those things. Don't you know, and and then then it does get a little to the sexual fetish, like. But my point is, I always felt that was his thing. Like that's more like how society has to continue. You need to embrace those aspects of women. Well, and that certainly was uh, the uh, point of locking that that kid in the room, or kid man, simpleton, uh, simple Jack, uh, in the room with all the I, big girls, so that he would impregnate them and create a male heir, right? And also point. lose yeah, his yeah, mind yeah. slowly. Yeah, well. I'm not sure that he had much of one on the way into the hair room. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's living in a room full of hair, I mean, that would probably drive me insane. So, yeah. well. And, and what was interesting, uh, Wait, one you thing you guys I, don't just like keep a collection of your trim pubes like just around that just sounds itchy. Can't say that I do, oh. can't, uh, can't, nope, really. All right, well, moving on then. You know, All I right. think one of the things I enjoyed most about this movie was some of the the historical accuracy, particularly uh, of, of you know, I guess we'll get into this maybe later, but um, I did think that was interesting that like they they did lock simple jack in a room so that he would produce heirs and not get murdered by his insane brother who was the sultan sure yeah the ruler again i feel like they were trying to do a thing with this movie i think george miller took it very seriously i don't know if it necessarily paid off for the general audience but i think he was yeah i trust george miller to be diligent in his filmmaking Honestly, I can see people loving this movie, but I, I just don't. I don't think it'll ever be some sort of cult classic. Uh, there, there's no evidence that anybody does love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, like I said, I liked it. I mean, I, I watched it twice. Uh, you know, you gotta get, gotta get your three ninety nine worth out of the uh, the rental fee. But yeah, Jesus. So uh, that leads us into our first break. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna do some uh, lingering questions about this film. So uh, stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to our 186th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. We are talking George Miller's 3,000 Years of Longing. 
Now we've got some lingering questions about the film. The first being, are you surprised this flop? Which we've all basically said no, because who is the audience for this besides lonely narratologists? So why isn't Captain Cash on this pod? Actually, of all the people that host or co-host this pod, I feel like he would like this movie the best. I have to agree with you there, T-Dubs. Between this movie and The Northman, I thought for sure we were going to get a Captain Cash episode, but I guess not. I only chose this because I love George Miller, and I'd heard about it. And This is fair. I was like, oh, so this gives me a reason to watch it. I mean, I watch a lot of movies anyways. Like in the two weeks bet- like between recordings, I've watched a ton of shit. But I'm just like, I- it kind of sucks. Like, it's George Miller. Right. At least no. make your money back. <laughs> I hate to ask this now because maybe I missed it on the front end, but like, did this get a legit wide release or was this like a limited release deal in theaters? I think it got a it got a fairly wide release. Now over a thousand theaters. Not okay. like a three thousand theater, but, but I okay. mean it, but that's it's it mid tier then. Yeah. yeah. It just got dropped like a hot rock after that because nobody saw it. So yeah, it just kind of like because I honestly I think I'd heard about this movie like vaguely, but I never saw a TV ad for it. I never saw a billboard. There were no, there were no Burger King toys. Like this movie just kind of slipped right under the radar. I only saw ads for when it was to streaming aside from being on Twitter and like, Oh, in seven days, George Miller's latest crazy shit comes out. Yeah. And I, if you didn't, know the story already if you hadn't read the book i, I guess there was a built-in audience there right the book did well i think yeah but it didn't have the same title i believe nope and i don't know how you're supposed to know what it is you know like it it seems to me like it would be a pretty good date night movie i mean that's why i watched it the second time was i watched it with mrs bling and hoping that you know idris being on screen would you know pay off for me yeah that's that's a legit bet. But let me ask the question here, because, I mean, how should have this movie been marketed? It is kind of a love story. It's 100% a love story. Sort of like a supernatural notebook type movie. like The, the lake house, maybe? Sure, yeah. I, how do you, because I think you, you bring up a great point there, Bling. Like, how do you draw in the female audience here? Because I feel like this is a movie that would be very female friendly from like the, the romance narrative, which I know it's a little, it's a little base, but still, um, yeah, like this is not like a dude movie from the guy that brought you the road warrior. Well, right? that's, that's the tough thing because you go, Hey ladies, Here's a tale of love and longing from the man who brought you Fury Road. But what about it's a tale of love and longing from the man that brought you Babe 2, Pig in the City? Or or Tiny Feet, as Chumzilla would call it. Little Feet, whatever. Itty Bitsy Feet. Little Foot, yeah. Long Foot. That's, yeah. that like that's got to be a Land Before Time movie. That, that goddamn penguin movie. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't even know when it was released. I can't remember. Uh, but last year, it seems like, well, I know it was in 2022, but when oh. in the year, like, it, it seems like it would be a good Valentine's Day kind of thing. And you and you like, jump on the love story. You know, it's yeah. a 
it's a love story 3000 years in the making like it's yeah i mean you, there's you, something you, there yeah i mean do you give this like the full maybe that's the problem do you give this like the full rom-com trailer treatment does that sell it better to a general audience oh god you just clip in between people getting their heads chopped off and fat yeah, chicks yeah. and a little bit of i don't want to wait for your three wishes to be over <laughs> boom Wrap don't it make, up. You know, don't what? make me a ghost in the castle for a hundred years. Biggest problem: not enough James Vanderbeek. This movie it was seriously lacking oh, in man. the beak. I've been three thousand I mean, years of longing for the beak comeback. Come oh, on, don't call it a comeback. He's been here for years. JVBD, he's our man. Instead, I'm just forced to suffer through Pacey getting project after project. Come on, I'm over Charlie Conway. Where's the beak? My, oh my gosh, he would have made that that weird fringe show so much better. Exactly. Was he? Exactly. No, he wasn't part of Franklin and Bash. That was that was Zach Morris. That was Zach Morris and the skateboarder from Clueless. Wasn't that also the kid from uh, Road Trip? I love that movie. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Breckenmeyer. Breckenmeyer. Yeah. yeah, he's also, great. Also, the voice of Garfield in many cartoons. But you really, I think you really missed the missed an opportunity by having you know a pair of lawyers being Zach Morris and the Dawson. Oh my God! They'd close every case. It'd be so good. That show would be mm-hmm. fun. That, it'd still be on TV right now. True. It'd be like Matlock and stuff. On CBS, sustained. None of this, none of this TBS crap. Fuck Forget UCF, about objections. Yeah. Hey, hey, easy on sustained. CBS. They have they're they're keeping ghosts around for me. Oh so God! Let's give us some CBS. If love. you bring up True Lies, so help me. CBS, if you're listening to this, you are the fucking devil. You leave True Lies alone. <laughs> Leave it alone. Did they ruin the equalizer too? Yes. I mean, and, that, and look, Queen Latifah is a queen. I don't. I know we're getting way off track here. Uh, this is getting dangerous into Bling Blake TV territory. But uh, let's just say I love Queen Latifah, but she ain't a equalizer. Hey, sometimes you got to dress down CBS like Idris Elba dressed down uh, Tilda Swinton in this movie. <laughs> if you know what I mean. If you catch my drift. Uh, oh. Second question. If you could have one wish, what would it be? I know what my wish is. So I'll let I'll let you share first, Chumpzilla. I would love a sequel to Crawl. Hell yeah. That's a good wish. Although mm-hmm. again, be careful what you wish for because the the weird shapeshifter might steal your identity and murder Captain Cash. See, that's how you I, I, don't, see, I don't see the downside that there. Guy, that might be a net positive. Okay. Plus I get a, a flaming fire riding horse. Oh See, my God. the turbo God. horse. If we right. learned anything from this movie is that wishes always, you know, get turned on their heads and ruined. So you wish for a, a crawl sequel. And what you get is a CBS show that becomes the crawl sequel. And then you hate it. Even worse. Mm. You know what happens? He, he forgets that there's an R in crawl and just gives you a sequel to Cole the Conqueror. Oh no. Kevin Sorbo. Yeah, I'd watch it. Now that is, mm. oof, yike. Bling Blake, yeah. what's your one wish? You know, I was just going to go with, I'd, I'd wish to be famous, but luckily uh, I'm already on the show. So, you know, wish <laughs> wish granted. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> I'm think, sorry. You, you remember you were saying there's a downside to your wishes? Oof. Yeah. We got yeah. some bad news for you. Uh, hey, it's all, it's all going to get turned around uh, just like, ice cream flavors 
so no, I have to if I have to be forced to it, I guess I'm just gonna say like I just wish to not be such a dick anymore. Wow. Wow, this just got heavy, just like that, the movie. That's a little deep. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. All right. I want to yeah. do int- introspective. So I mean, a lot of wishes out there, but I've been in deep mourning for a couple weeks now. I just want to, I just want a goddamn Bill's Super Bowl, Idris Elba. And if you've got to make love to me for me to get it, let's just, let's just have at it. Let's get, oh, let's oh, get what a, what a giant sacrifice you're willing to make for us. Thunder <laughs> you're going to have, you're going to have sex with the most gorgeous man on the planet. Oh my oh. golly. Ah, geez, that's that's uh that's quite the uh, that's quite the uh yeah wow take me to bed lose me forever you spicy yeah. gin. No, wait, hold oh, on man. hold on with or without the french accent okay well maybe that's my penance is that he has to have the french accent <laughs> take <laughs> off your pants thunder yes. wizard. he has the friend's accent and he's on top that's fantastic you're gonna love it well I mean, this is getting all of a sudden. I'm kind of regretting my wish. It sounds it's majestic. It it does. Uh, yeah. 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 One night in one night in Istanbul. You know. One night in the thunderous wizard. Oh, cool. What was... makes a hard gin humble? Yeah. Woo. Wow. Okay. Oh, third... moving on. Third one of the gin's tales. Which did you find most interesting? To me, I think probably that middle one with the the sex room of fur and the the create the brother who loses his mind because he's addicted to power and he befriends the narratologist who uh, I thought that one was probably the best and the most like fully realized and the other ones were kind of shortchanged a bit. So I, I think that one was my favorite. You know, just to jump in here, T-Dubs, I, I think you're right because that one seemed to get the most, like, thought put into it, maybe? Yeah, like, the other ones are good. Uh, the first one's very rushed. It's like the beginning of his story. It, it, go, it goes it's, too fast. And... It's just trying to get it out there real yeah, real quick. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and, and you mentioned, I, I think, that, that this could have been a weirder movie and that would have done it some mm-hmm. favors. And I think, I think the first one with King Solomon and the Queen of Sheba, who are, I don't know, do we say mythological? Do we say legendary? Do we say well, they're historical? Verif- yeah. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, King Solomon for sure. Queen of Sheba, maybe, maybe not. But uh, you had a lot legs. of you had a lot yeah. of room with the antiquity and like you know, kind of that like magic used to exist and be a lot more prevalent back then like that you know that, that's a whole story right like and i think you could have done a lot more with that and gotten a lot more of the weirdness and but the ultimately weir- the weirdest thing you get from that is his instrument and there's the little hands drumming yeah, which is like, a really cool visual when that started i was like oh this is gonna be dope like i was yeah. pretty excited i thought that was really cool well, i was I think waiting for it to like continue that upward weird trajectory Hundred percent. I think you make a really good point there, Bling. Is that there's so much potential for taking this in a weird direction, and the movie leans that way, but it never quite tips over the edge. Yeah, it it when it gets close to that tipping point, it comes more back to being centered, and the stories get. I think that's probably on purpose, to be honest with you, because I think that's the whole point of making the movie like 
surreal and not fantastical, but is was that the right call? Maybe not. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, uh T dubs, I, I do agree with you. I think that the second story was my favorite, and I I liked it because there is a lot of verifiable history in that one. And so mm. I really like it when we take stories that can mix actual history with fanciful fiction. Um, like, so the whole, the whole dynamic of, you know, uh, the, the father thinking the son was going to kill him and, you know, back and forth. Am I getting my stories mixed up now? I don't think so. Uh, that, that, that was really cool and interesting. It was going to be a really neat story. Um, and so I enjoyed that. I enjoyed looking that up and be like, man, a, a lot of this, you know, occurred. Some, some of these murders did happen. Some of this stuff did go down this intrigue yeah. and this politics. And, um, so that part was kind of neat. I like, I like it when they, when we mix that kind of stuff. And I think yeah. that's one of the cooler aspects of the film is that it, there is history to it. There's also morals and, and lessons to take from each of the stories, whether that be, you know, an obsession with power and the corruption of it, the corrosive nature of it, or in the third story, the girl that he f- is like really in love with. Um, she has all this knowledge, but she's cursed with knowledge and no freedom. She can't use it. What is knowledge without power? So there's interesting things that the movie says. Yeah. Those aren't particularly like novel concepts either, right? No, no. No, and that and that's safe, you know. That that's a safe way to tell some some good moral truths or, or Al- universal truths. Tales, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's nice. I mean, I don't know. I again it's it's a good movie. It's 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 a fine movie. It's okay. Uh oh, it, I didn't hate it, but I, there were a lot of things that I really did enjoy about it. It was it was easy to digest when it well, was all said and done. Well well, here's a good question before we go into our second break before trivia. Would you recommend somebody watch this? Because I'd say yes. Yeah, why not? Say, oh no, there's nothing to take from it because there's things to take from it, but your mileage is going to vary. I, you for know, sure. I, I'm going to buck the trend here and say no. Um, it's not a must see for me. It's not terrible, but there's nothing here that I'm like, I haven't seen none better elsewhere. So, like, no, like it's it's not essential viewing. Well, I wouldn't say it's a must see. Yeah, those are different questions. If you feel like watching something eccentric and a fan of George Miller's or you're just looking for something outside the box, not super commercial, watch it. Well, no, I'm going to be be a bit of a dick here. Like, if you take out the caveat, if you're not a fan of George Miller, don't watch this movie. You don't need to see it. If you like George Miller and you want to see what the guy does, watch it. But if you're not like a hardcore George Miller fan... Uh, there's other movies that do this kind of thing better. It's not, it's not super unique. It doesn't break any new ground. That's probably the biggest knock on the movie is that it's just not, it doesn't stand out. It's not bad. It's not well done. It's just not inherently unique in my opinion. So. Okay. It sounds like you're missing the deleted scene where Idris Elba serenades, um, Tilda Swinton to you ain't never had a gin like me. Well, now that changes things. That would definitely change things. Also, is anybody missing the fact that he just wore a bathrobe for half of it and never hung dong for us? I would have liked to go full See, on. Wow. Based, <laughs> I mean, you know, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> you heard my wish. I mean, 
but uh yeah rumor is it's like the size of a baguette so no it's like the size of a pringles can I, <laughs> no no trouble believing that whatsoever oh, okay yep. well we're gonna go to our second break we're gonna hear from our Wobam Entertainment brethren over the Double Turn podcast, and when we come back, we've got the Sugar Lump trivia challenge. That was uh, the uh, Crazy Brothers' favorite of his heavyset lovers, Sugar Lump. Thank God she was too big for all the other bathtubs in the palace. Hey everyone, it's the J Man, and I'm the host of the Double Turn podcast. Every month, myself and a featured guest bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in the industry, or taking a look back at some of the greatest matches and moments in history. So check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And give us a follow on Twitter at TDT Wrestling Pod and on Instagram at The Double Term Podcast. And don't forget to check out our home base at WabamEntertainment.com for all your comic book and movie needs. And check out our sister podcast, Hops and Box Office Flops. Enjoy, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Hello and welcome back to our 3,000 Years of Longing episode. We are on to the Sugar Lump Trivia Challenge. Tonight, we've got a standard five-question multiple-choice format quiz, and you'll be playing for the long leg hairs of the Queen of Sheba. I've collected it all and stored it in a Ziploc for the winter. Hot damn. Yep. That's a lot of leg hairs. Here for it. Chubsilla, I mean, you keep your pubes, so you're used to having hair in Ziploc. So. I mean, how else do you knit your sweaters for the yeah. winter months? Nothing weird about that, Buffalo Bill, nope. but <laughs> whatever. Uh, the chimes are, what is this small human? Gin, ghosts, aliens, or any of the pod stalwarts? I'm sorry, this movie's just not very quotable. So it really is not a lot of quotes. Right? Yeah. Wasn't much there. I mean, I, I took the best for the name of the quiz, which was Sugarlump. Can can we just say Sugarlump? Yeah, you could say Sugarlump. Uh number one. And by the way, these are mostly George Miller-centric questions because honestly, I didn't really feel like researching the history of this, and I thought that would be insanely well, difficult. Oh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get hosed on this. I mean, I, I think just honestly, as far as this movie goes, it just was a straight up adaptation of the book, as you pointed out, Blake, that just didn't resonate with audiences. There's not like any drama yeah, here. Yeah, there was there was nothing here. So it, it's just George Miller said, like, I want to make this movie. And people are like, well, fuck it. Let's give the Mad Max guy money. And he did it. And Why it didn't not? work out. Indeed. Oops. So, number yeah. one, 3,000 Years of Longing is not George Miller's lowest grossing film. Oh no. Which of these made less? Is it A, Lorenzo's Oil? Is it B, Twilight Zone, the movie? Is it C, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior? Or is it D, The Witches of Eastwick? Sugar Lump. Bling Blake. You know, the only reason I would know that this movie exists is because I had to watch it in high school. Uh, so I'm going to go with Lorenzo's Oil. Correct. That made $7.1 million. Twilight Zone 29.5, which that movie was mired in controversy, which but, we'll discuss I mean, he's a like a later. co-director on that, though, right? Twilight Zone, he directed Terror at 20,000 Feet. There's four directors of that film. It, yeah. Okay, okay, fair enough. So, yeah. uh, Mad Max 2, uh, 36. Witches of Eastwick, 63.7. One wow. nothing, Bling Blake. So number two, prior to becoming a filmmaker, George Miller practiced this profession. Is it A, a chef? Is it B, an ER doctor? 
Is it C, a policeman, or is it D, a firefighter? Farts and starts. Chumzilla. He was an ER doctor. He was, in fact, an ER doctor. He studied medicine at the University of New South Wales and completed his residency at Sydney St. Vincent Hospital. Which is one of the reasons he was like super into all the weird practical stunts in the Mad Max movies. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's like I know yeah, how this I, shit works. <laughs> yeah. Like basically, like, I've seen Carnage. I did not know that he was Dr. George Miller. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's basically Australian uh, Michael Crichton. There you yeah, go. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. He, um, yeah, he started making short films and realized, yeah, this is what I want to do. So yeah, good for him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, number three, it's one to one. George Miller shares a name with another director of this not so classic sequel. So the person that directed this terrible sequel is also named George Miller. Mm. Is it A, Highlander 2, The Quickening? Is it B, The Sting 2? Is it C, Troll 2? Or is it D, The Neverending Story 2? I'm going to shoot. Bling Blake. Let's go with uh, Never Ending Story 2. Which is... That's correct. It is yeah! The Ending Story 2. So the Highlander, Highlander 2 was Russell Malahi. The Sting 2 was Jeremy Paul Kagan. And Troll 2 was Drago Floyd, which just makes a lot of sense for that movie. <laughs> I look sure forward does. to one day doing Troll 2 on the pod. Really? It's amazing. Are you? Oh my, oh Neil Bog. Yeah. Neil Bog. Holy shit. That movie is legit awful. But let's go on. So we are two to one, Blink Blake. Oh, man. I can see him. He's so excited for these leg hairs. He might use them as hair extensions. This, oh. this is Wow. Be so, Wait, be so you get, pretty. You guys don't do like pube extensions for your lady friends. They love it. Yeah. The, the extra little perm, the primped and pressed stuff. It just frames the, you know, the main, you know, the main stage. So you need to stop, here. stop taking your manscaping advice from the Zohan. Okay. I said, oh, oh. God. And besides okay. the haircut, besides the sex, I hear he gives a pretty good haircut. A bush is the biggest. Uh, All right. Number four. In the 1990s, George Miller was set to direct this film before being replaced by Robert Zemeckis. Is it A, Death Becomes Her? Is it B, Contact? Is it C, Forrest Gump? Or is it D, What Lies Beneath? Sugar Lump. Bling Blake. Oh, shit. I forgot the one I wanted to say. C. It is not Forrest Gump. Wasn't Forrest Gump? He was I should re- know that before he was replaced by Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. Give me my answers again. Your remaining those. answers are A. Death becomes her. B. Contact or D. What lies beneath? These are all Robert Zemeckis films. I would never give you fake films. I thought Chris Columbus did Forrest Gump. Wow. Okay, dude. Seriously? Yeah. If you ever read that book, it is not good. I love Forrest Gump, so I will suffer the no movie, Forrest Gump slander. You know, I I often say like, there's only one movie that's better than the book, and it's the Shawshank Redemption because it's a short story. And the movie's way better, but no, honestly, Forrest Gump is way better than the book. The book's not great. Um, I'm gonna go with What Lies Beneath. Incorrect. It was Contact. Oh uh, man, I, I thought, really thought you were going to say Death Becomes Her. I love that movie. That's a you great know, movie. I mean, and that would that would have made some these sense. These all but, make hmm. sense for George Miller. Kind of. Particularly What Lies Beneath and 
death becomes her. I think those two make a lot of sense for him, but no, it was contact. Wow. What lies okay. beneath that movie's awful. Contact. That's uh, Matthew McConaughey and Jody, Jody Foster. Foster. Jody yeah. Foster. Yeah. So uh, we are two to one Blink Blake still. Man, he's so close. He can taste the leg hairs. Mm. Uh, number they're five. My, they're making my tongue itchy. Megan Gale, who's a frequent collaborator with Miller, as she appears in this as well as Fury Road, was set to appear as this character in the canceled Justice League Mortal. Is it A, Hmm. Talia Al Ghul? Is it B, Iris Allen? Is it C, Lois Lane? Or is it D, Wonder Woman? Oh, farts and tarts. That's got to be A. It is not Talia Al Ghul. So really all I have to do is just not answer and I win, right? Yeah. Those like those them leg hairs are mine I'll, now. I'll give you a hint because you've already won. Um, she's a badass in Fury Road. She actually gets run down by uh one of the trucks, but she's one of the tough many mothers. So imagine she's a tough, fierce woman. Who would she play? Batman. No, that was Army Hammer before he bit people. Oh. Um all right, wait, what are my choices again? I got uh so you've got Wonder Woman. Uh, Iris Allen, Lois Lane, or Wonder Woman? Well, I don't know who Iris Allen is, so I'm going to hope that she's a badass. I I, I think that's no, that's the Flash. No, stop. That's the Flash's girlfriend. It was Wonder Woman. Oh, basically gave you the. Well, you said you said fierce. I thought maybe it was a red herring. Well, (laughs) I I assumed the same thing because I thought like, well, I mean, in some. Versions of the character oh. Talia Al Ghul is kind of a, a badass. That so wasn't a bad Wonder guess Woman. because she actually yeah. was in the movie as well. Lois yeah. Lane was not in Justice League Mortal. Iris Allen was. Uh, I forget who played Talia oh, Al right. Ghul and Barry Iris Allen. Allen but... Right, got it. Mm-hmm. But, yep. So but... either way, you won. Even though that was a terrible guess, it was a terrible <laughs> guess. But them leg hairs is mine. Congratulations! Congrats, uh, yeah, I think mm-hmm. you'll get a lot of a lot of enjoyment out of those. They're very soft. I have no doubt. They look, yeah. they're just silky smooth. Little gray now, so you might need to touch them up with some just for men if you're going to sport them. But you can borrow some from Ryan Day. <laughs> you can borrow more than some. I, I don't think he has any left. Dude's got the fucking surplus on just for men. <laughs> I think he's their number one stockholder. Jesus. Uh, so we're on to recommendations. Uh, gentlemen, what do you have on tap for us this week? Chumpzilla, kick us off. Oh, I've got a quick and dirty one this week. Um, I made the mistake of watching, I think it's like a, uh, oh, it was a Scarlett Johansson and, uh, oh, what's a, a Lenny Kravitz's kid? Uh, Zoe Kravitz? Zoe is in it and uh, Kate McKinnon and it's horrible. It was called like a rough night out. It was like, like basically like the, uh, the ladies version of The Hangover and it was terrible. And then on a whim, because Tubi recommended I watch another movie in a similar vein, um, I watched this movie, Dirty 30, which I had never heard of before. But it was kind of the same concept. It was basically like a a, a chick comedy, uh, a lady-centric comedy about uh, the main character turning 30 and all of her friends coming together to throw her a party. And it's, yeah, it's very much in that uh, 40-year-old virgin, knocked up, vain, you know, the grown-up version of American Pie. But it stars a bunch of YouTube uh, comedians that also had written and done other stuff, but they weren't like major Hollywood stars. Uh, the main character is Marmy Hart. 
um, who had quite the YouTube career and I recognize her face. And I think she'd worked with like the, uh, uh, a couple of major like comedy tropes and in, in Hollywood and whatnot, like the, I don't even know who, but anyway, it's on Tubi. It's free. Dirty 30. Um, a bunch of like relatively young up and coming comedy uh, actors and actresses. It's actually a good movie. The jokes are good. It's pretty funny. Um, it came out a few years ago. I'm going to say like 2016, but it's worth checking out because again, it's way better than the A-list version that uh, Hollywood tried to put out. So check it out. Dirty 30 on Tubi. Okay. Thanks for those, Champzilla. What about you, Blaine Blake? Bring on that Tubi money. Um, One of these days, it's going to happen, I swear. It has to. It's just inevitability. I mean, we're already famous. Yeah, how are we not, like, part of their search? Like, you know, you, like, Google search when people reference you. You're like, oh, shit, these guys love us. Are you are you making sure to, like, capitalize and bold Tubi and all, all of our all transcriptions? Our meta terms. All our meta terms are Tubi or Tubi bucks or all hail Tubi. Yeah. <laughs> I just got to say this. On the Googles, Dirty 30 has a 5.0 rating. Out Boom. of 10? Um, out of four <laughs> ratings, out of four ratings, so oh, okay. five four now. Out of five, out of five, though, right? Yes, five out of five. On you four know, because if hey, if man, it were an I'm Amish scale, it'd be it's out of 15, all their parents. So, you know, yeah, because no, the Amish so. bull don't just bull ten frames. Hey, I, I, I don't don't knock me. Uh, Fula Borg shows up in this movie. Javelin. I do like that guy? Javelin, yeah. My recommendation, uh, I don't know if this is going to be a popular opinion with you guys or not. I'm excited to see what what you say about this. I decided to recommend the movie that first introduced me to our handsome Jin. Uh, I believe I'd seen him in some stuff before, uh, you know, before I saw this movie. I, you know, he did a turn in uh, the Denzel Washington uh, American Gangster uh, and I'm sure I'd seen him in something else before as a, as a small part. But uh, the first kind of major role that I remember seeing him in was a movie that I, I have hold very dear to my heart. I own it uh, on DVD and then I bought it again digitally. Ghost Rider 2? No, no, it was it was the it was the losers. Oh, sorry. Which is also where we, where I first really saw uh, uh, Captain America himself, Mr. Chris Evans. Uh, so I don't know. Have you guys ever seen this movie? You guys know what I'm talking about? I've uh, seen it. I have. Jeffrey Dean yep. Morgan's that we yep. saw that in. Uh, yep. I, oh, wow. That, that's, I, that's quite the combo there. I love yeah. that movie. It's you really. Cap- <laughs> Hold on. You got Captain America. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, the gunslinger. Mm-hmm. You've got the comedian, and you've got Gamora and uh, a Navi. And I'm sure has Jason Patrick played a comic book character anywhere? What? What? Uh, Night Owl? No, that's Jason. That's Patrick, that's Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. <laughs> Jason Patrick is Jim Bowie from the Alamo or from yes. Speed Two. <laughs> Speed Two Cruise Control, the good one. But hey, hey, uh, but uh, Night Owls in the Alamo too. Yes, he, he is, is also in the together. Alamo, so they were yeah, together. They are. A lot of confusion there. Yeah. Technically counts. Uh, I love The Losers, and I believe it's on HBO Max right now, uh, but you should go out and buy it uh, because it's wonderful. Hmm. Um, and then the other one, I'm probably stealing uh, one from Thunderous Wizard here, but uh, I think we talked about how excited I was about Last of Us coming to HBO and getting the HBO treatment, and boy, 
has that show not disappointed me in the first three episodes it is phenomenal i can't wait to see where the rest of the season goes it's really good i never thought i could be so heartbroken for ron swanson and armand from the white lotus (laughs) yeah uh i was oh my god what a heart crusher great episode it's really good okay now hbo listen to me follow me here resident evil 4 forget all the shitty movies that the guy from mortal kombat did Let's do a real resident or a dead space. I'm in dead space too. With, Come on, HBO, pass that money down. With or without Joan of Arc, uh, without obviously. I'm just saying. Are, are you asking for a Event Horizon sequel? Uh, no, I oh. think we, didn't we already get one of those? What was what was the movie? We're like this is just Event Horizon. <laughs> what dead movie space? did we do? No, Dead Space is not Event Horizon. It's oh, there was another better. space one where they yeah. I don't remember. Doesn't matter. Uh, so the Leprechaun Four. Yeah, maybe. God, <laughs> the Shillelagh saber. So my recommendations. I have two. Actually, I could have a ton if we really want. But first, because Idris Elba is the true star of this film, I recommend Beast, where he fights a goddamn lion. It is terrible. It's free on Peacock. It is so mind-numbingly stupid but oh, also no. a lot of fun because a man fights a lion. I mean, is, is that it, the whole movie? Is it 90 minutes of him fighting a lion? Well, you know, there's segments, but yeah, mostly that's the movie. They're they're trapped in a wildlife preserve fighting a lion. So is this like Dope. a combination of like... Sounds uh, like Predator. Yeah, uh, well, the what, what's what was the what was the Kilmer uh, movie? The if I no, oh, the Ghost in the Darkness. Darkness, yeah, it's much, darkness, much much dumber than that. If I can and, compare it to well, a wildlife kills movie, it'd be Jaws for the Revenge because everybody in this movie makes dumb decisions. What? What? Uh, hold on. What about the the Nick Cage movie with the white uh, the white jaguar? Still, they make dumber decisions than that movie. And that's mm. called Primal, by the way. Primal. I have a hard time believing that, but okay. No, like literally dumbest fucking people on earth in this movie. Mm. Everybody gets out of the Jeep. Why not? Get out of the Jeep. Walk around. Get out. It's so uh, it's so, now, it's so hold bad. On. How much time have you spent in a Chrysler product? I mean, there are risks inherent in that as well. Yeah, you, fair, enough. fair enough. Don't you put down my Jeeps. I've been in a lot of broken Jeeps in my life. I, I mean, it's just it's just reality. I'd be careful. I'm just saying. Okay, so my second recommendation, because I love George Miller, watch 1983's Twilight Zone movie. Yes, John Landis remains an asshole, and yes, this is the movie that he uh, inadvertently killed two kids and one of the stars of the film, though his segment is strikingly relevant in today's day and age. Uh, But Miller's terror at 20,000 feet is fantastic. It's the highlight of the film. It's also one of the best Twilight Zone episodes from the original series. Yeah, and, straight up. And who who does the original episode star, T-Dubs? Uh, William Shatner. Yes, yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. And John Lithgow is the William Shatner surrogate yeah. in that in that uh, segment. And it's it's great. It's a great segment. And, you, you know, you can go back and read all the behind the scenes of that film. But, like, uh, uh, Joe Dante also directs a segment. He directed Gremlins. Uh, Spielberg directs a segment. And the and the word is that basically Spielberg and, and George Miller basically were so disgusted with John Landis and what happened that their heart was no longer in it. And Joe Dante actually edited George Miller's segment of the film. 
because he refused yeah. to be around John Landis anymore. It's 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 pretty heartbreaking, but yes, most of the reasonable people walked away from the program. Yes, the the or star the- of John Landis's section is one of the people that died. So this guy who is a down on his luck, horrible bigot, and then experiences what real racism and uh, he, what's what's his name? Vic Morrow. Vic Morrow. Yeah. Yeah, he he's the dickhead dad from uh, Bad News Bears, the 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 dickhead coach. Yes, the he's the coach of the Yankees. Yankees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he died making this movie, and apparently he was a great dude. Yeah, which is like super unfortunate. Uh, obviously, the two kids as well who were working illegally also. Oh out. my god! Yeah, no, uh, Landis should be in jail. Yeah, and we've talked about that on the pod. So yeah, we have. Uh, anyways, I watched Megan. The movie with the killer robot doll definitely so, worth your time. So when's that coming to streaming? Because I want That's, to see it. It's rent now. So it's but it's the twenty dollar rent. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I need like the five dollar rent because yeah. that looks great. Because like you know what I loved Lars and the Real Girl, and I feel like this is just like the natural progression. If the Real Girl murdered Lars's family, yes. Well, I mean, I just I think this is fine, but in the sequel, I want her to to murder Ryan Gosling. Yes, awesome. Lars and the real felon. Mm-hmm. Boy, if you guys are into sentient AI going crazy, you are going to love what's coming next week. Oh boy! Well, what uh, Blink Blake is alluding to is Moonfall. But before we get there, remember you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at WriterTLK. Captain Cash is C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most social media. Chumpzilla can be found at Chumpzilla8 on Twitter. McCheese, who is long dead and buried, can be found at HBF McCheese on Twitter. And Bling Blake can be found at Bling Blake on Twitter. Remember to check out Wabam Entertainment at WabamEntertainment.com. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And connect with us on social media to share ideas for future episodes. I believe uh, after next week, which is going to be Moonfall, we're on to Extreme Flops, which is all based on extreme sports. Uh, In the end, listeners, remember one thing. There's no story about wishing that is not a cautionary tale. We'll see you next week for Moonfall. And if the moon were made of cheese, would Sam White, would, would Sam Will Tarly eat it? I know I'll find out. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I know I would. I'm gonna polish it off with an ice cold Budweiser. I'd smother myself in mustard, and I'd be delicious. Don't forget the brown relish. We'll see you next week. <laughs>